0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com recommend today.
1: Hey, this is Stephen A. Smith from No Mercy. Festivals, football, flannels. Some say fall is their favorite time of year, and this fall, there are now updated COVID-19 booster shots designed to help protect against COVID-19 variants. If you've had your primary series, schedule an updated COVID-19 booster shot appointment as soon as you're eligible, and don't forget to enjoy the foliage sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech.
0: You're listening to the Upper Hand
1: Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. Let's move on to the running back night, I have Austin Eckler at number one this week against Miami. We saw what Christian McCaffrey did against him last week. I, I think it could be a similar outcome for Eckler this week. I think this is a really, really good matchup for him. Yeah. Um, Josh Jacobs at two against the Rams. Um, he's about to create – he's about to fillet another rack of ram against him. Yeah. Did I do that right, Zach? I, I, yeah, I couldn't guys, do it as you it. as you you got it all right okay not bad okay (laughs) um yeah and then i got christian McCaffrey at three um you know we talked about the ridiculous usage that he had last week without lodging mitchell there um the need doesn't seem to be an issue for him so it seems like these three guys are like the locked in top three going forward you know assuming their usage doesn't change a whole lot it's funny like every week we think we have a locked in top three top whatever and like every week it changes but for now it seems like these three are probably the locked-in top three moving forward for the rest of the year.
2: Yeah, I think that is going to be the case. Like you said, it's a three-headed monster right now with Eckler, Jacobs, and McCaffrey. I think you could put them in pretty much any order and have a case for any of them as the number one running back for each week. Austin Eckler, I think, is the one this week, like you said, because of his matchup, which Christian McCaffrey did really well with um, last week. And Austin Eckler is, I think, one of the premier. I think he challenges Christian McCaffrey for the best pass catching running back right now. Um, so we'll see how that goes and Josh Jacobs you know he's just been on a tear he's getting it done as long as he continues to get his usage he'll be good and Christian McCaffrey Tampa Bay isn't it's not a fantastic defense but it's not anything that sneeze at. they're going to be able to you know do some things especially with Brock Purdy at quarterback it remains to be seen how they perform against a, a defense that's just a little bit better than Miami the only guy that I could see maybe challenging you know for this top three maybe make it a four-headed monster at the top instead of three would be Saquon Barkley, but we haven't seen him get that usage or have that production in a few weeks, where he was being ranked that high. So I think he could challenge, um, you know, down the stretch with the Giants, hopefully being competitive in the in their games the rest of the way. Um, but I don't see him, you know, maybe making that jump anytime soon, especially with Philly this week. But I think in the future we could see him kind of move up the rankings a little bit because he's been pretty uh, low uh, these past few weeks. And you caught some you uh, caught some shade for that.
1: I hope so because he's been really inefficient, right? Yeah. And like. That's that's his issue, right? Like all these other running backs are extremely efficient, and Barkley hasn't, you know. And uh, unless he's getting a stupid amount of volume that can mask that inefficiency, you know, he's going to be ranked as a low end RB one from here on out. And we'll and we'll get well, to him in a second. Yeah, go, yeah ahead, you talk- go ahead.
2: Yeah, sorry. Just while we're on it, and if you want me to wait, I can wait. Let's but- let's talk about it right now.
1: He he. Yeah, I have him at I have him at number nine.
2: With Saquon, you talk about that stupid volume. You know, this inefficiency has only happened after he got that stupid volume um against Houston where he had 35 carries, you know? And then since then, he hasn't topped 20 carries in the game, which maybe that's a reason. You think they overused him? You think they wore him out a little bit there? I don't I mean, know, I, maybe. As an, NFL, know, as an NFL running say, back, that shouldn't happen, but go ahead.
1: It's true. As somebody, especially like him, right, yeah. who has the, the pedigree to be able to handle a huge workload – And he has, you know, he's been doing his thing. Like, but yeah, like the inefficiency is my issue. Like he had 23 touches for 81 yards last week. That's 3.5 yards a touch, you know, and that includes five catches. So that shouldn't be that low. You know, first of all, you shouldn't have that low of a yards per carry. Second of all, you shouldn't, and I'm not blaming Saquon here, right? I'm talking about the, the whole, like all of the production. The production includes... What he does, what his offensive line does, like all of it, it, you know, produces that output. Right. If he was behind a better offensive line, would he be doing it better? Hell yeah. If he was, uh, if he was on a better offense, he would kill it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like put We've him in on the Put him. Put him on the 49ers, right now.
2: He'd be doing Christian like, McCaffrey. Thing.
1: Yeah. Maybe, maybe better. Maybe better. You know what maybe. I'm saying? Like, I, I, maybe like he's, dude, he's a great talent.
2: Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe, maybe the 49ers is a bit of a bad spot because you know they tend to do this thing where one week it looks like they're gonna have a lead back, and then the next they have. A oh, I committee. guess okay. But no, you know what I was saying. What
1: I mean by that is we're overanalyzing the we're a bit. role. Yeah. The Christian McCaffrey role that he has right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, give him that role on that team, like just what he had last week, for yeah, example. Yeah, fine.
2: It's you know also, what I'm saying. Like he would yeah. kill it. Because these. On a better offense, like the Giants offense isn't one that's going to stay on the field a whole lot. You know, they're really just shot at receiver. They don't have anybody on the outside that's really going to challenge except maybe Darius Slayton, the defenders on the other side. So that definitely plays a role. You know, the game script then becomes more important because if it's not Saquon doing his thing, they're not doing anything on offense. He's been able to get it done. I still think he's, you know, like we have not ranked as the RB9. He's definitely still an RB1, but that ceiling yeah. just isn't there. And you're right. If we see that crazy volume again, you can get back up there. And I think that's perfectly well within reach, you know, that's within his range of outcomes for the rest of these four or five games down the stretch. But we have to see that before we start ranking him that high. So just to, that's just a little, you know, defense coming to your kind of coming to your fence, kind of saying that he could move up um, for having him as low as we did last week.
1: Yeah. I mean, he moved up like four spots from where he yeah. was last week and right. you know, and that's because I like the matchup a little bit better than I did last week, but, you know, 23 charges for 81 yards, not great, but he scored, so that's great. And if yep. you're playing PPR, full PPR, they're very solid. You know, last week was his first five-catcher game since week one, right? And the hope is that he continues to catch passes out of the backfield to mask that inefficiency that he's had over the last few weeks. Um, you know, hopefully his offensive line starts to get a little bit healthier, too. That could make a huge difference as well. Um, yeah. you know, I'm hoping that you know if Philly does go up in this game, this is a division game. It could be close. Um, but if Philly does go up, the hope is that you know he starts getting peppered a little bit more in the past game. Five catches, like that's really what propelled him in this game a- and the touchdowns. You know, five when catches on the ground was huge.
2: Five catches will benefit any fantasy player, regardless of position, receiver or you know running back. Five catches is a recipe for at least a serviceable day, especially PPR. You know, obviously standards a different story, but PPR. That makes a big difference,
1: but yeah, five catches for eighteen yards, four catches for thirteen yards. Yeah, not efficient. We need, we need, we need a little bit more, you know, yeah. from that. Um, yeah. So I have Derrick Henry here at number four. Um, going back to where we were, we had Eckler at one, Jacobs at two, McCaffrey at three, Henry at four against Jacksonville. Um, he might get like four hundred yards against these guys. <laughs> like, I can totally see you know him having one of those big, you know heavy workload type of days, but we'll see. You know, maybe the Jaguars can keep it competitive and maybe they can kind of sustain some drives. That would be key, you know, for him uh as well. And that was part of the reason why I have ETN. You'll see ETN's out of this top 10. That was one of the yeah. issues that I had there. And we'll we'll get to ETN in a second. But I want to talk about Ramondre Stevenson real quick. Ramondre Stevenson's usage last week without Damian Harris was bonkers. Right. And that's why I have yeah. him at five. But to be honest, like even if he Damian Harris plays, like I'm gonna still have him at five. Um, it's a great matchup against Arizona. Last week without Damian Harris, 98% of snaps. He ran around on 89% of dropbacks. That's bonkers. League winning running back right here. Like he's yeah, getting absolutely. you to the playoffs all year, and he's gonna be a big part of you winning the whole damn thing.
2: Yeah. And just you think about it. Obviously, you can talk about the value, you know, on that you would have gotten from him especially with where he's probably drafted for you on your team but just the way that he's playing this offense can score 10 points it could score 26 points you can score 30 points whatever it is he's going to get it done for you and that's what's kind of been the biggest standout thing for me with Ramondre stevenson is that he's matchup proof and also game script proof because he just gets the targets regardless of whether they're winning they're losing they're in a, in a neutral game script he just gets the targets and that's been you know booing his production he hasn't been awesome or as good as he has been these past couple of weeks on the ground but definitely has that potential in him. Like we said, the touchdown regression should be coming with him. He hasn't scored in a little while. So we'll see how, how that affects him moving forward. It can only be a good thing if he scores. And then just going back on, like you said, with Derrick Henry in his past two healthy games against the Jaguars, he hasn't played them yet this season, but last the one game that he played last year at, you know, before he went down with the injury, he had three touchdowns and 130 yards. And then the game before that in 2020, he had that 215 yard performance. I think that's when he had that 99 yard touchdown. So just remember what, who, who he's playing against. You know, this is still Derrick Henry. Um, obviously, he was shut down a little bit last week against Philly, but this Jacksonville defense isn't going to give him as much trouble at all. You know, um, he's, yeah, I think he's in line for a really good day, like you said. So it makes sense to have him at four. And he's kind of been locked into this four spot underneath the other guys just because he's a safe start. And he has upside, but not like the other guys because of their receiving workload.
1: I have Tony Pollard at six this week. Even with Zeke back, Pollard... You know, isn't really taking a back seat right now. He's still getting it done. You know, and against Houston this week, oh my, oh yeah. my, you have to play him. He's in your lineup regardless of whoever you ha- whoever you else have. You have Joe Mixon, start him over Mixon. You have Dalvin Cook, start him over Dalvin. You have Saquon, start him over Saquon. You have Nick Chubb, start him over start him over Nick Chubb. I don't care. I want Pollard yep. in my lineup this week.
2: I think absolutely if he gets like 12 or 15 carries, which he's been getting. You know, obviously last week it was a little bit lighter of a workload because Dallas went up in that fourth quarter. He essentially didn't have to do anything, you know, after that fourth quarter. He scored that touchdown. But he's definitely in line for, you know, like I said, if he gets 12 or 15 touches, I guarantee you he's going to have 100 yards on the ground because this Houston defense is bad and they're not good against the run. And that's what it's been for the Cowboys. It hasn't been the passing game. Obviously, we talk about C.V. Lamb, you know, he's looking good. But it's been the running backs that have been getting it done. And it's not just Tony Pollard that's startable this week. You know, Zeke has some upside here too because they can ground and pound or they can do they can, that with Zeke or they can use a lightning with Tony Pollard. He's also a good pass catcher, so he has that upside working for him. I think it absolutely makes sense to have him this high. Um, people might be a little upset at that because Zeke looks better. He's looked better as of late, but I, Tony Pollard, we know what he can do. And he's been very good these past few weeks, regardless of matchup.
1: Well, as a resident Zeke hater, I have not met 13 this week. The highest I've yeah. ever had him over the past I... like three years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a long, long time. Um, but yeah, dude, like, I you know, he's simply been getting it done every single week. You know, he's been very consistent and he's a solid RB2. There's no other way to say it. And this week, he gets a bigger boost because he's going up against Houston,
2: yeah. And he's been really good. Listen, like, listen to these numbers. You know, against Philly, he had 15 fantasy points, these are PPR, and then against Detroit, he had 17. He missed two games plus a bye in between, but he came back at 17, 16, and 18. Like, you know what you're getting with him every week. And he scored at least one touchdown in all of those games. You know, so he's not getting the receiving work. Tony Pollard obviously has been taking that, but he has a touchdown, you know, floor. He's scoring at least one a week. The offense that Dallas has is just that good. They're in those positions, short fields. That's going to work in Ezekiel Elliott's favor too. I expect Dallas's defense to turn the ball over a couple more times. Um, take the ball. F- from. I should say Houston a couple of times. That's going to result in short fields, and that means all the running backs get to eat. And Zeke, he's been doing that these past few weeks. Yeah, yeah.
1: All right. Uh, let me circle back a little bit. I got Joe Mixon at seven, assuming that he's back. Um,
2: we thought he was a play game. last week,
1: right? We did. I was listen, man. If he misses another game, this is super, super. It, it would be a huge. What do you call it? Um, it, it. It wouldn't be. Um, something that happens often. Yeah, that's the word that I'm looking for. it would be an outlier. Thank you, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Um, but if Joe Mixon that's, why we, that's miss, why we keep you around.
2: If if Joe Mixon would miss, would you say you could just slot some AJP rhyme right in at seven? Like the way he's been playing, yes. I think that makes you know perfect sense. He's been doing very well. Yeah.
1: He that's exactly where he would go. That's yeah.
2: Um, but yeah, I mean,
1: the, Cleveland's been one of the worst rushing defenses in the NFL, right? And then I got Dalvin yeah. Cook at 8 against Detroit. I got Saquon at 9 against Philly. Uh, Nick Chubb at 10 against Cincy. Um, but, yeah, our uh, ETN. He had... Yeah, go ahead.
2: Yeah, Nick Chubb had a pretty disappointing game last Very week. Disappointing. Very disappointing. Because this was like a matchup for the ages. You know what I'm saying? As far as it really what, was. what he should have done. We had him ranked as the RB1 last week. And maybe it's because Deshaun Boston quarterback. I want to you know chalk it up to that. But, He's just handing the ball off. So I was I was a little disappointed to see Nick Chubb. He didn't even get in the end zone, which surprised me a lot.
1: Oh, man. It, it, it did. Yeah, it was very disappointing. The play calling was bad, but also what didn't help was the fact that, you know, the defense was scoring, the special teams was scoring. So, you know, the right. ball was out of that offense's hands a lot last That's week. True. But Deshaun Watson didn't help either. He didn't help sustain no. those drives at all. Yeah. Um, I have Travis Etienne at eleven. This is the lowest I've had him in a while. Uh, this is a very tough matchup, though, against Tennessee. Um, my concern in this game, you know, is not only that is it a, is it a tough matchup, but if the Jaguars can't contain Derrick Henry, like, will the Titans just dominate possession? You know, most they of this game. Yeah, right. And the hope is that the Jaguars can score. You know, maybe through the air a bit, move the ball. You know, make this a competitive game. Vegas Vegas has the Titans favored by only four points so you know it's not terrible right like if yeah. that if that stays the plan like if that happens like that would be great for etn um also it's like etn isn't extremely involved in the passing game like he's involved but it's not like he's getting five six targets a game you know if he was right. I might have him up a little bit higher but uh, you know this is kind of where I have to have him in a matchup like this now with etn that big playability is still there. And, you know, you look at what he was doing before the buy, you know, he was absolutely, like, he was extremely efficient, right? He was taking, like, 12 carries for, like, 80 yards, right? And that can easily happen against any matchup. So I'm not, you know, he's at 11 because the matchup isn't amazing, and he's had a couple of off games lately after the buy. But, you know, he's due. And there's going to be a game coming up where he absolutely blows up. So it's going to happen, you know, but this matchup, just temper expectations.
2: Yeah, I would temper expectations. this matchup too. Um, it's also confusing me. Do you think maybe like the injury that he had is like still lingering? I mean, I know they said he could come back in the last game, but he didn't get a humongous workload. Um, granted, they were down a lot, but that's the
1: reason. That's yeah, the reason. I, I mean, they were passing the ball a ton, but he was on the field in every, for every snap. His right. his so, his workload was absolutely ridiculous in terms of his time in the field.
2: Yeah, so he hasn't he hasn't slowed down in that sense. I, I'm just trying to piece it together because like I thought. Even with them being in a negative game script, do you think that would translate to more than three targets? Which is what he got last week. Yeah, that was a little confusing. That I didn't. It wasn't. It It wasn't confusing
1: to me because you know he hasn't. He's been running a ton of routes this year, but he just hasn't been targeted. Now, if you look back in the entire season, it's confusing because it's like, dude, like this guy, you know, is electric with the ball in his hands. Get him the ball. You know what I mean? That's the confusing part of it overall. I wasn't confused. I, I wasn't surprised that he he didn't get a lot of targets in this game because he just simply wasn't getting targets the entire season <laughs> when yeah. they've been down. I, um,
2: I think that's problematic know, when you have a guy that came in the backfield like what Trevor that
1: Lawrence. About? That's that's your boy, Trevor. That's your boy from Clemson, dude. Like you guys were, were crazy in you know in the passing game. Like he caught so many balls and like he was super efficient. So you know what's right. up. You know, get him the ball. Like on the year, you know. He only has eight percent target share, you know, on a per route run basis. Only fifteen percent. That's not high. Um, so you know, something I feel like they could do better, and uh, yeah, that's that's part of the reason why Etn, you know, doesn't have um as high of a floor as these other guys uh, because of that. Uh, but yeah. we know what his ceiling is, and you know, we know he's like a DeAndre Swift type player, right? I have him. I have DeAndre Swift right under him at twelve. Um, you know, he's back here as a low end RB one against minnesota high scoring game minnesota has allowed the most fantasy points to running backs over the last four weeks um swift is back in the role we drafted him for we talked about him at length yesterday and the day before so you know he's back in you know gotta have him in your lineup territory
2: yeah there's no reason not to have deandre swift in your lineup anymore you know obviously a couple of weeks ago is a very different story but we said last week we saw that little uptick and then this week this past week you know, he went off. So he should be right back in that role. And like I said, this is where we would have had him all season, assuming he had this role, if he was healthy, you know, nothing happened with the injury. But um, that you got to like where DeAndre Swift is at as far as his workload goes. I think him as a low-end RB1 makes sense. And I think that's, you know, really what you can expect from him as a floor each week, as long as he stays healthy.
1: Agreed. Um, I have Zeke at 13, talked about him already.
0: Miles Sanders at 14 against the Giants. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Plan savings with three lines of T Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
1: James Conner at 15 against New England. Like, I was going back and forth between these two guys. You know, actually, I'm going to go Conner. Conner, put Conner at 14 and Miles Sanders at 15. Um, Yeah. If Zeke didn't have a stupid good matchup this week, I would probably go Conner over Zeke as well. Um, But, but yeah, like, Connor just has a high floor, especially in PPR leagues. Um, he can blow up like with his role that he has, like he's playing every snap. He's running a route on every drop back. He has one of the best roles in the NFL right now um, over the past couple of weeks. So, um, you yeah, know, he's he, the Patriots haven't allowed a ton of fantasy points to running backs. However, his role trumps that. So he should yeah. be in lineups this week. I would play him over Sanders, higher floor, higher ceiling.
2: Yeah, Miles Sanders, he's had like two really good games this year. And then the rest of them he's just kind of been quiet. And that's not his fault. You know, Jalen Hurts obviously having an MVP candidate at quarterback will limit your opportunity in the, you know, scoring department and yard racking up department, however you want to call that. But I I just don't trust Miles Sanders on a week to week basis enough where, you know, I feel like if you start him every week expecting what we saw last week, you're gonna get burned a lot. Um it's that inconsistency that would, you know, have me put Miles Sanders beneath James Connor because James Connor's been the opposite. You know, maybe he doesn't have 30-point ceiling, but James Conner has a ceiling and the floor, like you said, to match that are just a little bit higher than what Miles Sanders offers on a week-to-week basis in terms of consistency. I like James Conner as a consistent running back, consistent contributor. That's what I'm going for at this point, you know, at running back. If he's your RB2, you know, you're set. That's exactly what you need.
1: I got Jamal Williams at 16. Uh, Even though Swift had a few more carries, you know, than Williams last week, it's really all about that goal line role for Williams. Like twenty or thirty more rushing yards, you know, on the ground, like it's not going to make a huge difference, right? That's not why you were starting him to begin with, you know. So not so much has changed with him. Um, So I'm now I'm starting Swift over Williams, but you know, and that's assuming Swift's role doesn't change or get better. But that still doesn't mean that I won't be starting Jamal, Jamal literally has been at this spot around 16, you know,
2: over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Plus you have ta- get tackled at the one machine. I'm around St. Brown on that offense. Right. too. You know, the it's rest of the offense again. is very good. So if I'm around St. Brown's going to keep getting tackled at the one, you know, Jamal Williams, he's just going to have t- touchdowns delivered to him like DoorDash. So I think that I think he's in line. You can still start him just because DeAndre Swift has come on. You know, Jamal Williams isn't necessarily, you know, a bad start anymore. It's not like you're just fading him out and he's not going to be a contributor for you. He has that goal line role still, which is super valuable in offense. That like we said, has been scoring a lot of touchdowns these past few weeks.
1: I got Raheem Moser at 17. Uh he was the flavor of the week for Mike McDaniel last week and these running backs have a good matchup against the Chargers, so there is some upside here. Uh, I even have Jeff Wilson at 20. You know, that might be a li- be a little bit high, you know, but it's possible that we see a closer split this week given how much the Dolphins might want to run the ball against this very yeah. vulnerable Chargers defense. Um, there can be room for both. Um, I think Jeff Wilson is really like a boom-bust play. I think his floor is like zero, right? Because yeah. Mostert was very saw that last week. favored. Last week, <laughs> he was very favored, right? And oh, that's true. Jeff Wilson did have a floor of zero because – this, but the the thing with that is like they didn't run the ball that much at all. Like they just no. went pass heavy. Um, I think they combined for less than 10 carries, if I'm not mistaken. But this week they could combine for like 35, right? That yeah. could happen this week. So that's part of the reason why I have both these guys in the top 20. But if I'm going to play one, I'm just definitely going to be Raheem Mostert right now.
2: Yeah, the 49ers defense will make you do some weird things. Even Mike McDaniel, you know what I'm saying? This offense that has been good that just looked like it was shut down. Nothing was working last week. Um, I wouldn't pay too much attention. To that, you know, it was a bad performance by these guys, but I think even though their ceiling isn't what we'd seen the weeks before that, their floor is also not going to be that bad on a week to week basis. Like you said, especially in a matchup against the Chargers, maybe season long you could worry about Jeff Wilson, but in a matchup against the Chargers, I think they're going to use them both. You know, they're each going to get their touches to the point where they're going to be able to produce and be RB2s if you absolutely need them. I still think Jeff Wilson, I still like Jeff Wilson a little bit more. Um, Raheem Mostert. We'll see how that goes. Obviously, it's just been kind of you know flip-flopping back and forth. But I I trust Jeff Wilson, I think, a little bit more to be on the field than Raheem Mostert. We'll see how it goes. Um, but I- I'm just gonna guys start. Have... I'm Go just ahead. gonna
1: start whoever was was getting more playing time the week before. Yeah, that, that makes that's... sense. That's
2: one way to play it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's one way to play. Because yeah. momentum, I guess, does work. You know, in this in this case with these backfields, it's always fluid. You never know who's gonna get how many touches or whatever. But um, it's a good offense on a good now, I, in a good matchup. So I think you could start either of them and be just fine. I'm not expecting Jeff Wilson to put up 0.3 again like he did last week. No, no.
1: Um, and Knight at 18 against Buffalo. I, I think regardless of whether Carter is back this week, I'm going to have him here. Uh, not yeah. saying that Carter won't get touches, but just saying that I think Knight will get a similar workload regardless. Um, and that's assuming there's rational coaching here. Uh, but we'll <laughs> see. Like, I'm willing to take that shot, you know, because I think there could be some upside. I think the Jets are going to score. I think they're going to move the ball. I think Zoniman Knight's going to be a big part of that. Um, so, you know, I, I'm assuming. You know, it's very possible Carter doesn't play this week, but we'll see. Um, let's wait on that practice report. I'm gonna I'm gonna check on that right now.
2: Yeah, I think Zonovan Knight's a good play, like you said. We're to the point where it doesn't look like Michael Carter's return is going to influence his workload as much. Regardless of who he's working against, he's going to be splitting it, but he's still going to get touches to the point where he's not being phased out. They're not going to lean heavy into Michael Carter and give him all the touches. Zonovan Knight's going to be on the field enough where he's going to get the workload to be producing at this you know, mid-RB2 level like we have him ranked this week. And I think he can be that the rest of the way. And then maybe you know they're continue to be impressed by Zonvin Knight. Maybe rest of the season, he could slide up in the rankings a little bit more, just because he's been he's looked pretty good in the games where he's played. Obviously, it's been with Mike White a quarterback. It remains to be seen how he would have played with uh, Zach Wilson under center, but chances are it would have been not we, very. We have well.
1: a, but, we have an update. All right, Michael Carter is going to be is going to be practicing in full today, and Robert that means he's going to play. Yep. And Robert Sala was asked about what that means for Bam Knight with Michael Carter back, and I quote, he's not going anywhere. There so, you go. there you go.
2: Okay. Cool. Michael Carter is not a take 70% of the snaps running back. He is exactly. a complimentary. He'll work with Zonovan Knight, and they're both talented. You know, Michael Carter can do his thing. It's just that Zonvin Knight has come on to the point where now you can use both of them, and you'll be good. So, I think Zonvin Knight, I would leave him here. Does Michael Carter go up in the rankings for you at all? No, I think he you don't think he's top 30 with Zamanite at 18
1: Uh, um let's see that's a good question I know I'm putting you on the spot with this one but that's okay I I love it that's what I live for dude that's why I love it bro that's what I do bro um (laughs) I would say yeah I would say let's put Michael Carter above Latavius Murray let's put him above J.K. Dobbins let's put him above Devin Singletary and we're talking full PPR here yeah um do we want to put him above KM Akers? Maybe. I would say around that 28 through to 30 range. Yeah. Yeah, I would yeah. say he's a solid RB3.
2: I think he's absolutely over Latavius Murray. Absolutely over J.K. Dobbins. Just because I think his workload's locked in. You know, obviously Latavius Murray, I guess you could say he has his workload locked in somewhat. But Mike Boone was playing a little bit last week, and obviously that Broncos offense is terrible. So I, I think it makes sense. You could slide him in right around there. I wouldn't put him over Deontay Foreman. But, um, yeah, I, yeah. I think that makes sense. Okay. That's a good cool. call.
1: Nice, um, Pacheco. I have him at nineteen this week. Um, you know, against Denver, if the Chiefs are smart, I, you know, I know they have Patrick Mahomes. I know they want to prove that that he can get it done against any defense, but they will depend on the ground because that's how most teams move the ball against Denver. And there's a good chance that Pacheco can get some volume this week. So I do like him as a solid RB two this week.
2: Yeah, I, I think he can get it done. He's looked like he's able to you know, do his thing against any team. It's not like it's going to be matchup dependent. He looks like he'll be able to get it done. He's still not going to have upside that's going to get me to the point where I'm ranking him higher than he is right now. I think this is as high as I would have him. Um, It might be bordering on just a little bit too high, but we'll see. Um, I'm not a humongous fan of his role just because it's very limited, you know, especially with Jarek McKinnon getting a couple touches last week. That was a little interesting, but could be a week-to-week thing. I'm not buying too much into that. Just remains to be seen. I want to see him, you know, have – Higher output in this offense because at the end of the day, it's still a pass first. Patrick Mahomes going to be doing the majority of the work in terms of fantasy lifting. You know this offense, so I'm okay with him here, but I'd ex- I'd temper expectations for him. It's Denver. They're obviously they're not as good against the run as they are against pass, but I, I would temper expectations.
1: Top twenty play this week.
2: All right, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see.
1: We'll see. <laughs> I got Jeff Wilson at twenty, like I mentioned before. Uh, Fournette at 21 against San Francisco. This is a tough matchup, right? But assuming you play in a full PPR league, Brady is going to dump it down to these guys. And I have Fournette higher than Rashad White, who I have a few spots down at 24. And that's because Fournette played more snaps. He was a primary goal line guy. Um, but if the usage is similar to last week, then there, they, there can be somewhere between 10 and 15 points because of those dump offs in ppr like if i play in a standard or half point league like i'm a little bit you know i'm, I'm gonna rank these guys a lot lower yeah. um because they're not going to be efficient on the ground they haven't been so efficient on the ground they weren't efficient on the ground last week well the Fournette was but rashad yeah. it wasn't um but yeah so i have Fournette a couple spots above him but they're both i would say low end rb2s this week
2: yeah it's been the story you know for the Buccaneers running backs the whole season they kind of just you know beat each other up in terms of their production and you know, they're not going to be able to you know break away from one another in terms of their usage and production. But I'm not a big fan of this matchup because we saw what the 49ers did to the Dolphins running backs and the Dolphins running backs they're not bad. You know they're not necessarily I don't think the level of Leonard Fournette and Rashad White, but still definitely something to consider with their matchup. I think it makes sense to have them this low. Um, I don't know if I'd have them higher in a neutral matchup. We'll see because this offense still has looked bad. But um I, I wouldn't expect too much from these guys this week. And I think that's why we have them this lot.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I would they would be around here regardless. I would say. All right. Um yeah. Uh, James Cook is at twenty two against the Jets. Um, this is an upside play, honestly. Like mm-hmm. it's possible that we see another three man backfield in terms of snaps like we saw last week. Uh, but who knows? Like you know, if Cook can lead this backfield again, then you know, he could do some things. The hope is yeah. that he does and that he can gain a larger portion of the opportunities. He had 20 opportunities last week. Singletary had 15. But the hope is that there's a higher differential in this game moving forward if you're going to expect Cook to be someone that you can depend on every single week, right? Um, yeah. There's not going to be 35 opportunities every week for these running backs. Like, that's not what we're used to in this backfield. So, you know, I have Singletary down here at 28. I'm probably moving him down to 29, moving Michael Carter up to 28 um you know given the fact that he's gonna play this week but i'm not you know uh, singletary's only in the top 30 because he plays on a good offense he's, he's gonna get like you know probably like 40 percent of the snaps
2: yeah and we've seen devin singletary kind of take that goal line role a little bit you know yeah um with josh allen obviously is a threat in the ground ground game to run in from that distance too but when they hand it to running back it's usually devin singletary james cook yeah. this is definitely like you said an upside play this is assuming and hoping that he can hold on some kind of role and, similar to what he and, got and, last and look
1: week. look who look who I had have, have him against uh, ahead of right, like guys who don't have upside, <laughs> like Damian yeah. Pierce, you know, Rashad White, Najee Harris. You know what I'm saying? Like so, you know, the guy that I have, you know, uh, behind them is not Deontay Foreman. You know who I think has uh, upside, even though he's also a boom bust play. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, you know, well, he pro- like who knows? Like, if the Seahawks go up big, will he get volume? Maybe not. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think it's J- still worth playing for the upside, though.
2: Yeah, with James Cook, that's what it is. You look at it, it's like if you look at the performances that the other guys we have below him had last week, Damian Pierce had a relatively quiet game. He looked better than he has recently, but a relatively quiet game. Rashad White, same thing. Um, he He's going to be relying on that touchdown. Najee Harris, you know, he had his token 10 points, and Deontay Foreman was on by. James Cook just had a good performance. If you're picking between James Cook and any of those guys, you know, James Cook looks to be on the upswing maybe. Are you really going to start any of those other guys over him at this point to get you maybe into the playoffs? You know, I, I don't think so.
1: Now, if I'm, if I need upside, I'm also starting. I have Deontay Foreman at 26. I'll start yeah. Deontay Foreman over Najee Harris. I'll start him over Rashad White. I'll start him over Damian Damien Har- Damian Pierce, if I'm looking for upside.
2: Yeah. And that might you be know? what you're swinging for. Like we said, you know, if you're trying to get into the playoffs, you know, last gasp. I think Deontay Foreman could be a decent play, even though he's ranked at twenty-six. You know, I think he could definitely outperform that. That might be a little bit conservative, actually. But the way Seattle's defense, you know, has been playing, they kept it. They let it be competitive against the Rams, and Cam Akers scored two touchdowns. So just something yeah. to note.
1: It, you know, it was a divisional game. You know, so yeah. I can see that. Um, but Seattle, you know, they're fifth in the NFL in points per game. So if they go up in this game then it's very possible we don't see Foreman do his thing. Like, he did his thing against two teams that don't score a lot of points, Atlanta and Denver. So, and yeah. then Seattle, you know, is a high, high-powered offense. So, that's my only concern with Foreman, but he could still get 23 carries for 120 yards and a touchdown. Like, that's right. in the realm of his possibility. I don't think Najee Harris has that in him this week. Rashad White has that in, in him this week, or Damian Pierce has that in him this week.
2: We'll see. I mean, Dallas... I wouldn't put it past them. You know they're not perfect against the run yet, even though they've kind of you know bottled the guys up these past few weeks. They're Not perfect. Dude,
1: Dallas is going to blow out Houston so bad that <sighs> it's not even fun. Don't say that. No, this is like he's going to have two touchdowns. Powell's going to have two touchdowns.
2: David Pierce is going to have seven carries this week. This is like the <laughs> ultimate trap game. That's my only worry because it's also the Texas Bowl. It's like. Oh, my God. And like we said, we talked about point differential. Dallas is number one and Houston's 32. It's like the stars are aligning for a massive flop. <laughs> but we'll True. see. I, I trust Dallas. I think this is a game that they're going to win pretty easily. That's why it's not hardly being broadcast. If you watch, I saw a TV map of where it's going to be broadcast. It's literally Texas. <laughs> and <then> the rest <laughs> of the the rest of the United States is getting other games. So we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, it's just something we don't even have to you know mention or think about this week.
1: Cam makers, I got him at twenty seven against Vegas. I don't trust this backfield just yet. Um, he's still like a high end RB three flex play. You can play him seventy percent of snaps last week. We'll see if the game stays close. So he could get some volume, but yeah, yeah. You know, at least the the we will know. Hopefully, we we get a, a two game sample now with Acres as the lead, and you know that he's going to be the
2: guy moving forward. But we'll no, see. that just means Kyron Williams is not going to get the touches. We'll see how it goes. This Rams offense is bad. I'm not expecting know. too much. Even if he does get all the touches, you know, the ceiling is very noticeable with, with Cam Akers. Two touchdowns is not going to happen every week. And he only had 60 yards to back that up.
1: Yeah, agreed. Um Devin Singletary. So I had Michael Carter. We're putting him around here 27-28. Then Devin Singletary, J.K. Dobbins, and Latavius Murray to close it out. De- J.K. Dobbins, you know, I'm assuming that he plays this week. Um, after being close last week, but this backfield is very hard to trust. He's just like an upside flex option. You're kind of hoping that he rolls in for two touchdowns, pretty much. But he's a desperate,
2: it's... desperate start. I would, say. <laughs> I would say so.
1: Okay, I think we're gonna call it here, guys. Uh, appreciate everybody listening as always. Thank you so much. You guys are the best. Like this season has been so much fun, and um, you know, just love having you guys here and joining us on the podcast. Um, we'll be back tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern time, right here on YouTube. Um, and we'll be going over our wide receiver rankings and our tight end rankings going into week 14. All right, guys, take it easy. See you later.
0: 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.